0: All, it's time for an extra special episode of Rolling Dice and Taking Names. I know all episodes are special, but this one is extra special. The guys interview Isaac Childress. You will hear about all the influences and inspirations for Gloomhaven and get a special in-depth look at the new version of Gloomhaven, Jaws of the Lion.
1: Hello and welcome to a special episode of Rolling Dice and Taking Names. This is episode 201. I'm Marty. I'm Tony. And we are thrilled to have the designer of Gloomhaven Jaws of the Lion, Isaac Childress. Isaac, welcome to the show.
0: Hello. Thanks for having me. So I've got to ask so I can set the tone of this interview. Okay. When you, When you come to the Gen Con Strike Tournament, Isaac... Who do you pull for? Are you pulling for the gladiators or the dice in the bowl?
2: Oh, I'm, uh, I'm dice in the bowl all the way. I'm sorry. Oh, he's putting his head in his hands. He's really sad. Yeah.
1: <sighs> <laughs> <laughs> oh, by the way, I, f- I forgot to, I didn't ask Isaac. Should we call you Dr. Childress?
2: Oh, no, please don't.
1: <laughs> I've been digging into your past Isaac trying to and i I thought that you had a doctorate and you sir have a doctorate in
0: physics yes correct yeah and that is from what prestigious university uh Purdue University Boilermakers mm. yes yeah.
2: okay. uh yeah I don't know I think like the title of doctor should probably just be reserved for medical doctors also it's just like I don't know it feels Pretentious somehow. It's like you have to call me a doctor. I'm Dr. Childress.
0: <laughs> That's uh, fair. Well, you are a doctor of making very successful games.
1: <laughs> sure, I'll take that. A, doc- a doctor of Kickstarters, obviously, <laughs> <laughs> with the success of Frosthaven that we just saw. Uh, so, yeah, I cannot wait to talk to you about this, Isaac. And for those who may not realize it, Uh, Isaac is the designer of the very popular game Gloomhaven so we're going to be talking to Isaac Knight about his inspiration for the game leading up to a game that's just now getting ready to come out called Gloomhaven Jaws of the Lion what exactly is it you know where how did it come to be and and how is this different than the base game but before we get there Isaac (laughs) let's go let's go back Let's go back right. in time. I want to hear a little bit about the history of, of you in gaming, whether it be video games or, or board games. I mean, all of us had this little journey where we get to where we enjoy board games. What was your journey? <laughs> so, but before Isaac goes there,
0: oh. I, give, him, give him a chance to <laughs> I, we, I
1: set that question up perfectly. <laughs> and you have to.
0: I, I am. I am because I'm going to give him time to think about it, and form his things. I won't tell you a little story about it. Uh, Mr. Go Childress. Go. Okay. So, so <laughs> t- about two two and a half years ago, when the second run of the Kickstarter Gloomhaven started, I backed it. Okay. Now, was it two and a half years ago, Isaac, that uh, that closed? I can't. T- time is uh, flying.
2: Three years ago, more three ago. over three years ago now.
0: And during that time, Marty, I was in the process of moving. Do you remember this? You remember this whole turmoil in our lives where I left you behind. I moved only 30 more minutes away, but now it threw off all of our gaming and all that good stuff. But Mm -hmm. in that process, I had this amazing Kickstarter going to be delivered, but it was in limbo. I wasn't sure which address. I didn't have an address. So I put my old address thinking it was going to come, and this is not anything that would be delivered before I move. And I was like, oh, oh, what's going to happen? What's going to happen? When I get moved, I, I hope this thing gets here. Time comes, I move. Gloomhaven had not arrived. So I send an email saying, my address has changed. Is there any way to do it? You know, thinking that someone would respond to me. Who responded to me, Marty? I don't know. I tuned out about 30 seconds ago. <laughs> well, take a guess. Who responded? Isaac did. Isaac did. I was floored. I was like, oh my gosh. Well, he's a professional. I hear he's a doctor and everything. <laughs> he's a professional. It was amazing. The customer service was there. He sent me a nice note back says, We'll get this handled. Things, you know, he took care of it, and sure enough, my gloomhaven has arrived still mint and sealed in the box. <laughs> you didn't have to say that part of the story to me. He, he knows it. He knows it is because and it's not because we don't want it's just that because my move created such a time space relationship which he could explain to us through physics, okay? <laughs> you and I just the the legacy game I need to get it set up. I need to go over there. I need to go over to your house and set it up so when I show up, we can play it over time. Actually, you and Donna may enjoy it.
1: Uh, Donna is uh, Tony's wife, Isaac.
0: Y'all may enjoy it. I I know. I just got to get her to the table. And I think after this pandemic... I have a better chance of that happening.
1: Now, can I go back to my question, Tony? About- I, I, do
0: you remember it? Has too much time passed? Have you forgotten <laughs> what it was?
1: I, I'm surprised Isaac's still hanging on the call. Everybody came to listen to him talk, and so far, it's just been you and I.
2: So the question was about my <laughs> my uh, beginnings history as of a gamer. History gaming, yeah. History. History of, of gaming, yeah. I mean, you know, when I was a kid, I played... Uh, I, you know, what we'd call crappy games these days, you know, Monopoly and <laughs> the things where you rolled dice and, and moved your guy around the board in one way or the other. But, you know, I enjoyed those. Um, but I, I would say I was much more like a video gamer in my youth going up through college pretty much. Um, so lots of RPGs. Uh, I also got into like D&D. So I guess that's that's some like tabletop gaming that I did. In high school, Tony and I
1: are big video gamers. Okay, so, so tell us what systems did you play? Or what games? Oh yeah, did you play? sure, I'll talk sure. Video games anytime.
2: Uh yeah, so I, I started off with the Nintendo. Uh, I'm I'm 38, so you know that that ages me. Uh, you know the the original NES system or NES. Um, yeah, so big big Zelda fan. Oh gosh, what else did I played? Dragon Warrior. Uh, Dragon Warrior three was like the first I don't know probably like major RPG I played. Blaster Master, oh, I love Blaster Master. Anyway, mm-hmm. uh, so maybe I'm going to do too much detail now, but then uh, no, no, no. got into uh, the well, Genesis. I, I love hearing this stuff. The reason I was
1: going to say is because Gloomhaven very much has a video game feel to me, so I was wondering, yeah, actually, some of the history of some of the video games you played and how how it kind of rolled over into your design of a dungeon crawler board game.
2: Yeah, yeah. So I mean, yeah, obviously it's it's heavily based on uh, RPGs and also like action RPGs, like. Um, like Diablo, uh, which came later. Um, yeah, yeah. So there was the the Sega Genesis. Big fantasy star fan for yeah th- that RPG world, uh, which I think also informs uh, Gloomhaven in some ways in terms of like theme uh, and and stuff like that. that. That's like more sci-fi, but there's this kind of like there's like this fantasy element running through it. It's kind of like this this world that like used to be more advanced um but it's, it's kind of like this cataclysm happened and like now it's gone back a bit in terms of like technology progress and i think that's some has some influence on the theme of gloomhaven as well yeah and then i was uh, one of the very very few people who who um got on the the sega saturn bandwagon <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, you Uh, were. So that was uh, my high school days. There were a lot of good games for the Sega Saturn, though. Panzer Dragoon Saga, again, uh, very similar themes of of sort of like this ancient civilization that has been like destroyed, and now like these people are kind of living these uh, more like fantasy tropes, like on top of this ancient civilization. Anyway, uh, and then at some point in there, probably before the Sega Saturn, I started getting into like computer games. So, like, uh, The Summoning was, like, an early RPG that I played. Uh, and then and then Diablo and stuff like that sort of came while I was in high school. I uh, got really, really into Diablo 2 uh, my senior year mm-hmm. of high school. And then I went off to college um, where I experienced a lot more video games because I, I, you know, then had access to, like, a PlayStation, which had, like, a lot more games than my Sega Saturn did. So that's when I got into, like, Final Fantasy, um, stuff like that. Yeah, and then it just kind of exploded from there. Then there were. Then I started getting into board games. Actually, I think, like, in high school, I, I started playing uh, Axis and Allies with my friends. I had a friend who, like, told me, like, how awesome of a game this was. Like, he had played it once with, like, his dad or something. And then I was just, like, randomly at a garage sale and, like, found a copy of it. Found a copy of that. It was, like, I found, a, like, all the Milton Bradley, like, Game Master series. So there was, like, that and uh conquest of the empire and broadsides and boarding parties um so i got like all three of those and those are all like really interesting games i mean conquest of the empire is like pretty much standard war game that had some like weird balance issues and then of course axis and allies is pretty famous but like broadsides and boarding parties i don't know if you guys have ever seen this but like uh it comes with like these two gigantic like plastic ships that you like put guys on and you like have like these uh naval battles against each other and it's like it's really interesting and then at some point uh probably like later in college I you know experienced Settlers of Catan um which was probably like my first like more Euro game and I don't know it didn't like impress me too much I mean I've never been like a big Settlers of Catan fan I've always found it like just like too random and frustrating you know it's like you get like your uh, city configurations, like right in the right place. And then just, you know, the numbers never come up and it's just, it's frustrating to me, but.
1: (laughs) Oh yeah. Especially when you're sitting on a six and an eight and you know, statistically those should show up a lot and they don't.
2: I should be winning, but I'm not winning. (laughs) (laughs) So then it wasn't until like, uh, my early years of grad school, I play uh, Settlers of the Ten on occasion, but then, like, um, one of my roommates discovered Board Game Geek. And he's like, you know, check out this site. Like, uh, I think, like, Puerto Rico was number one at the time. He's like, this game must be really good. Like, we should try this. Like, we should uh, buy it together and, and then play it. Um, and so that's what I did. And then we just had, like, Lots and lots of Puerto Rico nights, inviting people over to play Puerto Rico with us, uh, and that's the first game that I really got obsessed with, just because it was so different from anything I had experienced. You know, where there's like, I mean, there's no randomness in that game other than than the plantation tiles come up, and it's mm-hmm. but it's all just you know just make a plan enact that plan and 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 uh, that's that's all it is that you win or lose based on on your, on your ability to to plan out and anticipate what other people are doing and so i found that really interesting
0: do you still play Puerto Rico just out of curiosity
2: i have not played puerto rico in a long time uh, I, I still own a copy i'm looking at it right now um, it's kind of like buried underneath a lot of other games
1: <laughs> puerto rico is one of tony and ours earliest yeah. Games that we really enjoyed. And I still kick myself to this day for not getting the, what the was it? The fifth anniversary edition. Tenth. Was it 10th? I think it was 10th. Anyway, anyway the that one sounds, that's going yeah. for 150, 150 bucks now, I, you know, and I had a chance to get it and didn't, but anyway, uh, we loved Puerto Rico also. Yeah.
2: And so then at, from that point I was like, that oh, that was a great experience. Now I'm just like going to go down this board game geek list uh and just buy all all the games um so you know i went down to like number two which was like maybe kalis or uh power grid or something i forget and so yeah i just started buying all these euro games and then just tried to get my friends together to play them as much as possible and so that went on for a while until i uh it was always like kind of difficult to like you know arrange a game night like it maybe only happened like once a month or something Uh, We had a very limited selection of games, right? It was basically just, like, the things that I had bought. And I had sort of gotten a couple other people into it, so they had maybe a couple games as well. Um, But then uh, it was probably nine years ago. Like, I discovered, uh, eight or nine years ago, I discovered, like, a weekly game group that met at Purdue, in the Purdue Union, like, every Wednesday. Uh, And those guys were, like, really like more into it and had like tons and tons of games. And so like every week I'm now I was playing like a new game and that was really cool. Uh, and that that is kind of what started like sparking my creativity, just playing like all these different games. Uh, and that's when I just started designing my own games as well.
0: Was it the fact that you were being exposed to a lot more that sparked it? Or was it something along the lines that when you were playing the older games prior to that, Were you always like saying, you know, maybe this would work better? Uh, Not to say Puerto Rico has any flaws to it, but so I'm just trying to put the timeline together here. Oh, yeah, that's an interesting question.
2: I'm not sure.
0: I'm done for the interview, Marty. There's number. (laughs) 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 He got his
1: one interesting question. He will now just sit back (laughs) and take a nap the rest of the episode.
2: Yeah, I'm, I'm not really sure like why like the creativity started sparking as weird as this may sound like it may have been like, yeah, because I started playing like some bad games as well. Yeah. Where you started thinking about like, Oh yeah, this game like isn't great. <laughs> like these, this thing and this thing could be better. Um, where, you know, if you're playing like Puerto Rico, like maybe that doesn't come up as often. You're, you're just kind of, um, you know, in awe of the, of the, all the systems. So, so yeah, I don't know. And also maybe it was the specific games that I was playing um, where i started like finding games that like really really resonated with me like i remember specifically was was trajan um, by stefan felds um and you know had the like really interesting like mancala aspect to it um where you're not only dealing with all these different resources that you have to manage but you've also got like this weird like spatial element to it to to it as well where you have to figure out like what what beads are gonna go and, and which and which things to like match up the colors and um, get your get your Trajan bonuses and that really resonated with me. So say so yeah this stuff like that like I think specific games and maybe like starting to think more critically about games is what what did it.
1: couple things th- through all that before I forget so sure. uh, b- big Nintendo console fans just to let you know uh, this year at Hallmark one of the hallmark ornaments is a Nintendo console and uh so (laughs) if you want to go get one of those go get one because i already got four on pre-order nice
2: you're (laughs) buying them all up
1: (laughs) you can get the nintendo console but they also have a zelda cartridge as an ornament also a gold one nice Ooh, so i thought that was cool too and that takes me to do you have a nintendo switch
2: yeah uh yeah i got one of those a few years ago to play breath of the wild um which was yeah breath of the wild is like, easily, like, top five gaming experiences of all time.
0: Tony is just now about to wrap up, right, Tony? That is, yep, I'm on the final one. I am I was a late adapter, so but, yes, I hope to have finished Breath of the Wild. So we can blame when Breath of the Wild 2 comes out on your hiatus from doing <laughs> an awesome board game, right? Because I know you'll jump on it just like me.
2: Yeah, I, I, there, there are lots of games that uh, will ruined my productivity for a small period of time <laughs> uh but I, I i still managed to get things done
0: you're are you're not a completionist are you are you gonna have to find all 900 seeds and that kind of stuff
2: i didn't find all the koroks uh you know i got all the all the uh oh gosh i can't even remember the other thing the shrines the, the shrines temples. yeah yeah i was trying to think of like the resource that you got from the shrine it was like a soul oh, piece spir- or something the, spirit. The spirit or, or orbs yeah. Uh, anyway, I found all those, but I didn't find like all the Koroks. I like you know traversed the world and found like enough Koroks to, like fully upgrade everything, mm-hmm. um, and I was like, okay, I I don't need to like you know go over everything with magnifying glass. That would probably take another hundred hours. <laughs>
0: <laughs> no, I understand that. Now it's no secret that if Marty and I had video games beyond what we did, which was a Commodore 128 and college. <laughs> nice. It,
2: it, we
0: may not have gotten our degrees, or if we had gotten Wouldn't into happen. board games, like you were talking mm-hmm. about, that may have extended our period at NC State. So just uh, yeah. kudos for being able to pull that off.
2: Well uh designing board games definitely did extend my PhD <laughs> at Purdue. <laughs> Uh, It took me probably like two years longer than it should have because those last two or three years were, um, yeah, I was like designing, you know, my board game half the time and running the Kickstarter.
0: And we can all just say thank you for that. (laughs) It's okay to extend it out. Thank you for getting that game developed or designed. Well, you're welcome. (laughs)
1: There you go. I think I think that's a good segue to. All right. So you had this uh, desire to start designing games. Uh, Obviously, we know the success of Gloomhaven. So what sparked it, man? Where did you get the idea of building like this? uh, Get inspired to make a dungeon crawler game? this world you know the world building you had to do so how how'd that all come into play
2: i've always been a big fan of dungeon crawls and i think i mean that's partially because of the video gaming i grew up with um you know with dragon warrior and all that stuff um you yeah, know rpgs have always been my favorite genre Just spe- specifically like fantasy rpgs uh the closest Analogous to that in board gaming is is dungeon crawls where you get your know, your fantasy characters and you run around smashing monsters and leveling up and all that stuff. Um, so yeah, I've I've played um, you know like Mice and Mystics and Descent Second Edition um, and some others and then obviously like D and D and stuff. But like it was hard to like reconcile that with my love of like Euro games as well. Um, And, you know, my my desire for like less randomness in games and more like just decision making and and, like success or failure based on your your ability to plan and everything like that. And, you know, because you play games like Descent and it's I don't want to like bash on it too hard, but to me, it just felt like a lot of just I'm not making any real decisions. I'm just like there's a monster. So I move towards it and I roll some dice to see if I do damage Uh, and I just do that over and over until it dies. Uh, and also like that's how a lot of like D and d plays out as well, right? In those sessions of D and d where like the the role playing might be like lighter and or you know you just like you're, you're tired of this battle and you just want to get it over with. so it's just like, okay, you just like start not adding flavor to what you're doing and just like keep rolling dice until either you die or the monster dies. So I, I kind of wanted to like get away from that. Like I, I wanted to experience a dungeon crawl. That catered to my own sensibilities of, of less randomness, more decision making. Um, and so that's, that's when I started designing Gloomhaven.
1: Sounds like it all kind of melded together. You wanted to have a dungeon crawler with less randomness, but you already liked fantasy. So I guess you jumped in and said, well, I'm just going to make a fantasy dungeon crawler. But you created this world out of, out of nowhere, man. What, what was the inspiration for the, the name of the game? The the locations, yeah. the the monsters, all that stuff.
2: Yeah, I mean I think that was right, yeah, just I have a tendency towards fantasy and uh Dungeons and Dragons again kind of influenced that a lot. Uh had experience you know DMing Dungeons and Dragons campaigns where I created my own world um and stuff like that. And so um so I had some experience doing that. Yeah, I don't know. I it was like it's it's so much fun and it's so interesting to just like sit down and create your own world i don't know it's like you know you could just have like your typical like orcs and goblins and elves and dwarves and stuff but like i don't know it's just much more fun to to like think about things and come up with your own cool interesting ideas uh and and so that's what i decided to do and i mean i i don't i couldn't i can't tell you like specifically like where it all came from like Oh, you know, like, the Inox is, like, this thing and this thing. It was just, like, I just, like, sat down one day and I started, like, writing this stuff out and coming up with, um, you know, different races uh, that would be uh, just kind of interesting to see in the world um, and sort of, like, what their place within that world is and what their beliefs are and, you know, their social structures and, and things like that. And then just sort of, like, building the world around that and these different races. Gloomhaven was... You know this kind of like city on the edge of the edge of like the world on the edge of this wilderness because um, you know that's kind of like a I don't know it's pretty standard like fantasy trope where like you've got a city and then outside that city is just like all this dangerous stuff that you can go explore and fight and and things like that so um so yeah that's kind of where I've decided to like Center center the game around is just is just have it be focused on the city and, and the surrounding area of the city. Um, and you know, there's like a, a larger human civilization off to off to the west, and this kind of like this outpost out in this in this wild area. The name Gloomhaven. I don't know. I was I, I just kind of like latched onto the name Haven. You know, like I thought that would be a good like descriptive title for this type of city, right? That's out on the edge of the wilderness played around with, you know, a lot of different things. I think at one time I was like calling it soul Haven. Um, you know, it's just like stuff that like sounds cool and interesting. Mm -hmm. Um, I, one thing I I did want to make a point of doing was not give it some like weird, like fantasy made up name, you know, like, Shrickle blog or something like that.
1: <laughs> and thank you. Thank you so much for people who have to say names of games all the time.
2: <laughs> yeah, I just I felt like it would resonate more with people like if, if they understood what it was. Gloomhaven is like a haven from the gloom that like you know lurks outside the city.
1: Did you create all, all your own narratives? You created the world. So when you started creating the scenarios for Gloomhaven, did you bring other people in to help write scenarios? Or like, nope, just give me a notebook and I'll just start doing it on my own? <laughs> uh
2: yeah, I mean it was mostly mostly done on my own. So there if you look through the the Gloomhaven scenario book, you'll see, you know, uh I I don't know the percentage Probably between like twenty to thirty percent of the scenarios are, are guest designed. Uh, most of those guest designs are for from uh, Matthew Summers and March Marcel Sfratetska, and so they they contributed some of the narrative towards towards those individual scenarios. And Marcel had a, a couple like scenario arcs that he uh, contributed to as well. And then you know individual guest designers obviously like contributed uh, to the to the scenarios they were they were doing. Um, but yeah, like the whole, like the overarching campaign, yeah, was all designed and I can't think of the word I'm looking for, but anyway, yeah, was uh, designed by me.
0: You're on the right show. <laughs> can't think of a word. You're, you're good. You're, you're good.
2: Conceptualized. I think that's the word I was looking for. There anyway. You there you go. <laughs> uh, yeah. And I mean, I, I wouldn't call it like some groundbreaking story, you know, it's like there's an evil and you know, you work towards uncovering what that evil is and destroying it. Um, this is pretty like f- standard fantasy stuff, but, uh, and then, uh, with, with Frosthaven now, we're trying to like step up that a bit and try to tell like a more, a little more complex story. And I've brought in, um, a professional writer to like help, help flesh oh. things out as well. Um, so, so yeah, hope, hoping to, to step that up a little bit.
0: My, my question is when you designed Gloomhaven and my box arrived, first off, I hadn't really, s- I was like, holy cow, did you anticipate starting out. And then suddenly when that thing finally came to production, you were like, man, this is incredible. Were you a proud papa?
2: Well, <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, obviously, yeah, I'm a, I'm a proud papa. But yeah, like when I was in the process of designing it, and even like while I was running that, that first Kickstarter back in 2015, uh, yeah, I didn't quite like realize the scope of what it would become <laughs> or, or like how successful it would become. Um, you know, I, I knew I had, like, a good idea, and I wanted to sort of see that to fruition, like, the the best way that I could. Um, and so that ended up, like, adding a lot of content to the game, which which made the box very big. And, yeah, so, like, when we finally realized, like, okay, this is how big the box has to be, this is all the stuff in it, it was a little intimidating. But, yeah, I think it, you know, in the end, it, it worked out well. <laughs> From
1: conception to completion, how long did that take?
2: Uh, so Gloomhaven, I I started working on it in earnest um, when I pretty much right after I graduated from the PhD program, which was in 2015, like or end of 2014, start of 2015. Um, and so, and then that October is when I ran the Kickstarter campaign, and then I didn't deliver the games for another like year and a half after that. So it was about like over two years from. From conception to to uh, delivering the game.
1: Well, you must have had a lot of stuff in mind before you even hit off the Kickstarter, I guess, because you already had all the concepts and kind of gameplay design you had to by then, right?
2: Yeah, so I mean, and you know, once I had graduated from from the program, I this this was like my full time job. You know, I didn't I didn't gotcha. go out and get a job in physics at all. It was just like I'm gonna like try this out for a year and see how it goes. Um, and so yeah, I just went I just went full steam on on making this game. Yes, pretty much like right at the beginning of 2015.
0: I know your degrees, physics, your your doctorates in physics. What part of physics?
2: So I uh, was in uh, solid state physics. I worked with graphene, which is a, a sheet of carbon atoms, like one atom mm-hmm. thick, and it has like very high electrical and thermal conductivity. Um, and so like my my thesis was on um, the effects of eredi- or energetic irradiation on, on the conductivity properties of, of graphene. So, I would like, shoot gamma rays and uh, electron beams and all sorts of fun stuff at, at the graphene and then measure its um, electrical conductivity to see how it changed.
0: Marty, he is one experiment away from being a supervillain.
2: <laughs> no, a superhero or superhero.
1: An uh, Incredible Hulk was gamma rays. I'm just saying.
2: Yeah, well, our, our gamma sources weren't that great. I don't think they ever yielded any good results. Um, <laughs> we, you know, we had like very, very, very low uh, emission.
0: But, but still, you're one step away, one mistake <laughs> away.
1: <laughs> Look, I'm not down with Tangy Chances. I'm not going to make him angry. Just saying, yeah, all right? All okay. have to remember okay. that. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> all right, so Gloomhaven uh did kickstarter 2015 very successful did a second kickstarter but what we're here to talk about today is this thing called gloomhaven jaws of the lion and what exactly is jaws of the lion and how does it differ from the the base game gloomhaven is it an expansion what, what what's different about it
2: yeah so gloomhaven jaws of the lion is sort of it was was conceptualized uh on the concept of how do we get gloomhaven to a mass market pretty much like how do how do we get gloomhaven into target cuz like we're not we're never going to be able to like put a gloomhaven box on a target shelf it takes <laughs> up too much space it's it's way too intimidating it's way too expensive <laughs> It's just not going to work.
0: Yeah, because <laughs> yeah. you, you see the little red carts running around with Gloomhaven. Oh, <laughs> <you>. <laughs> hey, Mommy, what's this Connect for? Oh, no, I want Gloomhaven Connect for. Or uh, what is it? Uh, the game in Target Pop the zit or something? Oh, yeah, there you go. <laughs> so you had to get it into Target, and you were like, okay, what do we need to do?
2: It, it's obviously like a, a complex system, and um, you, know, you can get very in-depth with, with playing it, but I think it does have some like mass market appeal. Um, you know, cause I've seen, you know, if you, if you take away all the barriers of entry and you just sit down with somebody, you know, I, I've sat down with people who've like never played games before. Right. And I, I just give them like their hand of cards for a, a character and, you know, just tell them, you know, you just, you play two cards each round, um, do the top action, one the bottom action, the other, and like, and they can pick it up. Yeah. It was all about just like trying to figure out how to remove all those barriers of entry so that, yeah, a more uh, casual mass market audience could, could pick it up and, and play it and get into it, you know, have that experience. And I, you know, because like, it also has like Gloomhaven has this presence, like in the pop culture world at this point, right. Where like, just, just random people that you wouldn't expect will be, will tell you like, oh yeah, I've heard of Gloomhaven. I know what that is. Or, you know, I've never played it, but like, yeah, my, my boyfriend's obsessed with it or something like that. Yeah. I think there's, there was an opportunity to yeah get a product like that into Target and have people, you know, walk by the shelves and see like, oh, Gloomhaven. I've, I've heard of that. You know, let let me try that out. What were some of the
1: barriers you removed? With jaws of the lion,
2: sure, yeah. So as much as we could, right? So it's in a much smaller box. It's a fifty-dollar price point. So those are like two of the big barriers of entry um, into into Gloomhaven, and then also there's a tutorial system. You know, you open the box. There's a, a sheet right on top of the box that tells you, okay, you know, this is this is what you need to do. There's a lot of stuff in here, but you know, I'm going to explain how how you can sort it and where you should. Start learning the rules and all that, and so then there's a, a a how to play guide that essentially runs you through like the first five scenarios of the game, sort of teaching you rules like little by little. So the first scenario you go into, it's very easy to to set up. There's just like one monster type. There's just a couple of monsters on the board, and you've only got six cards in your hands, and they're all like very simple. And it's basically just, like, learning the mechanics of just, like, you play two cards, do the top of one, bottom of the other. As, as you progress through those five scenarios, things get more complex, you learn more rules, um, until by the end of the fifth scenario, like, you're, you're pretty much playing normal Gloomhaven. But, you know, it hasn't been intimidating to, to get into that. Um, and I think the other main thing was the the setup let's uh, partially do like the giant Gloomhaven box, right? It's, there's this, a million different components. You know, you punch it all out and it's just like, okay, now what do I do? I've got tokens everywhere.
0: Oh, I know, I know. Well, hold on, hold on. You <laughs> buy the broken token insert, which I have.
2: <laughs> oh, you've got the inserts and you've got
0: the game. You just need to... You just need to do it, Tony. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I, I, I do. I do. I Every day I look at that box and I say, I just, I got to do this. I, I've got to <laughs> sit down with Donna. You know, you can play solo. Yeah. And that was my intent, but I keep hoping that someday we will. We'll get to play it. Uh, but anyway,
2: so yeah, the, the setup of Jaws of the Lion is, is much simpler. Uh, and the main reason for that is that we've put the maps uh, for each scenario within the scenario book. So, you just open the scenario book up, and then there there's your map. You don't need any additional tiles or anything else. Um, you just play on the scenario book itself, and that reduces setup time uh, hugely.
1: Before you move off this sheet, I, I
0: want to talk about this because Isaac— And those for you listening, the sheet he's holding up is the well, I'm starter I'm getting ready one. to tell you what it is well, well, you no, just you just hush. You, I was waiting, but usually this is where you go into me and interrupt me, so I just want to make sure. That's fair. That's fair. <laughs>
1: I have a copy of the game. And when you take the shrink off, the first thing that you're going to see on the very top is this sheet that, uh, Isaac, he referred to called welcome to Gloomhaven." And this first paragraph here says, now remember, imagine somebody, everybody that's listening, who doesn't know anything about board games. They were going to go into target. They were going to buy connect 4. Their kids are like, I don't know what that is, but that looks pretty cool. Let's get this. The dad finally relents, or the mom finally relents. Okay, we're gonna get it. They open it. It's number one. This box. How much does this box weigh? I know you have to know. It's, it's crazy heavy.
2: Oh, uh, the jaws of the lion. I oh, I don't remember off the top of my head. It's like f- four or five pounds, maybe. It's ridiculous. It's fifty bucks. It
1: weighs the same. It's the same price as like ticket to ride. But the the comparisons are not even there with the amount of components in there. All right. So back to the sheet. The first paragraph says, and this will be anybody who's seen the open it. Stop. Read this before you do anything else. (laughs) There are more components in this game box than you may be used to. And it's important to make sure they are organized before you start to play the game. This sheet will give you step-by-step instructions on how to easily organize your game box And where to go from there so that you can start playing as fast as possible. And this next, this two-page sheet literally walks through step-by-step of here are all the items in the box. You could take these, you move them off to the side. There's punch boards in here. You're going to punch these. You're going to take these zip bags. You're going to segregate these pieces into these uh, pieces. You're going to put them into the bags. You have a plastic tray and it shows you where to put the different punch out tokens in that tray. You flip over, it says, there's some other components in the box. There's character sheets. It walks through in depth detail. And Isaac, I specifically tried to put on the hat of somebody who doesn't play a lot of games. And I walked through each sentence and did exactly what you said. And by the end, well, by the end, there's this watch it played logo about how to play the game. Let's skip that. (laughs) Basically, the game is set up at that point. And then you go, well, now what do I do? The learn to play guide has two paragraphs on the front that says, welcome, this is what it is. We're going to start reading through this book. It says, if you look for a yellow circle with an exclamation point, that means you have to do something. And between the learn to play guide, we'll have you jump back and forth between the scenario guide in this book that will teach you everything you need to know. We meticulously, uh, when Tony and I played, I did not look at the rules at all. I said, guys, we're going to walk through this book as if we were playing this game for the first time and never played a board game. And dude, you did an amazing job. Thank you, you. did exactly what needed to be done for the target audience. I am so amazed at how well you made the barrier so low to this game, man. Huh,
0: the target audience, I got that.
1: <laughs> <laughs> that. That was totally on
0: accident, but I'll take it. <laughs> Uh,
2: well, yeah, thanks. I, I, I really appreciate that. You know, we, yeah, a lot of work, uh, was put into that. Um, so yeah, I really hope that's the, yeah, that, that, that helps people get into it. You know, when, when Gloomhaven came out, you know, I, I got a lot of people like telling me, you know, like, oh, this reminds me of, of HeroQuest, right? And I have like, mm-hmm. I've, and they, you know, they, they tell me that they have fond memories of, you know, when they were a little kid, um, you know, their parents bought them HeroQuest, right? From, from the, you know whatever store store you went to back then, I probably wasn't Target. And you know just like kind of randomly, like their their parents bought them this, and then it ended up like totally like shaping their whole like gaming gaming lives. And and yeah, I'm like I'm hoping that Jaws of the Lion can be like that for for a new generation, right? Where you know maybe you just like randomly buy it on Target, um, and and it becomes like this you know, great, great experience that, that you get to have.
0: It's so funny how soon we forget Toys are Us.
2: <laughs> Maybe that was it. <laughs> that's, that's true.
0: But but to Marty's point, the, the sheet, you know, you're right. Setup is sometimes when you open the instruction book and you encounter a component page and you list out all these components and then all of a sudden you encounter a setup page and then oh, now it's time to play. And yet you're flipping back and forth between all that. That can be very challenging at times. Why do I know it succeeded? Because Marty was able to easily get into the game. And that's a success (laughs) right there.
1: (laughs) And teach it correctly without any mistakes. And what I loved is, is at the end of the scenario, uh, to say, okay, the scenario one's complete. It tells you what to do. And then it explains what to do with your characters. It's like, okay, great. Here's, you're going to take your character sheets. You're now playing an RPG. You're going to build out your character. There's going to be some upgrade cards that you're going to have. And at the very bottom, it says saving. Now, at this point, it tells you exactly there are boxes for each of the characters in the game, little tuck boxes. And it tells you what to put in each one of the boxes. And then you put them back in the little insert in the box, put the books back in, put the tokens in, close it up. Uh, Next time you're ready to play, you open it up. You jump to the next page of the learning to play guide for scenario two and start walking right through it. And again, it tells you how to unpack it and reset the game to everybody picks their character again and they keep on going. It is brilliant because the, the next scenario adds some additional actions, some additional things that are on the map that wasn't there before. And that happens with every single scenario. So like you said, Isaac, after scenario five, you know, everything
0: you need to know Enjoy your journey. Right on. <laughs> Boom. There it is. Done. <laughs> uh, what did it take to get into Target?
2: I've been talking to PSI, which, oh gosh, I forget what PSI stands for. I could probably look it up. It's probably not important. Anyway, they're-
1: Pounds per square inch. You're a physics. You're <laughs> a
2: physicist. Oh, that's what it stands for. Anyway, they're, they're, um, they're sort of, I wouldn't call them like a distribution- Um, I'm getting into like a topic I probably can't talk about intelligently, but anyway,
0: welcome to rolling dice and taking names. (laughs) I'm sort of
2: a a middleman between like target and hobby board games. Uh, they don't only deal with target. Um, they, I mean, they also deal with hobby distribution, um, also like Barnes and Noble and stuff, but like, they're one of the main ways that like hobby, hobby games, Have of of getting into Target, and so I I've been talking to them like I meet with them at Gen Con every year like for the past few years just to kind of like talk and see like you know if if I had anything for them. But as I talked to them, you know, I was thinking about it more and more, and it's like yeah, well, let's let's try and do this. So last year at Gen Con, I met with them and said, okay, well, this is this is what we have, you know, what what do you think? And they got us a meeting with Target at Essen. And so yeah, we had a, a meeting with with one of the target representatives, um, in the middle of Essen, and it was like super crowded. And the the woman who was looking at it like kept getting her chair bumped by the guy behind him, and she she looked like super annoyed and like not very happy. And we we're like, I don't know if this pitch went very well, um, <laughs> but but PSI you know could continue to like work on our behalf and, and talk to Target, uh, yeah. And and so it was like this strange process where you know we we're just just constantly getting like these updates from PSI about like how Target is feeling and th- they think it'll work and but they need like this changed and this changed. And um, it just kind of like went back and forth through them uh, until until like we hammered out a deal. I, I don't know. I guess that's not very specific. But, but yeah, it was just like, I don't know. P- PSI did all the work and I just um, made the game and made a few adjustments.
0: Okay. So this is my vision of it. After what you just told me, Isaac walked into the room he approached the executive sitting across from him. He drops Gloomhaven down and says, This is the most successful board game out there. But I can bring this to you in a smaller, condensed version at a cheaper price that will outsell anything on the Walmart shelves. I think you need to do this. That's what happened, Marty.
2: Yeah. I mean, we definitely did bring up our sales and, you know, our, our critical reception and all that. And I'm sure that was a. Deciding factor,
0: but it was in a secluded dark room, and all these people sitting around in suits. Okay, so,
1: <laughs> right. are we going to do that? So, a dark room, there's ashtrays sitting on the table. Everybody's in it. it's like a smoky
0: room. No, 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 no. that had been in the seventies. Isaac's too young for this. <laughs> there, there, there was kale chips. Okay, okay, my
1: bad. <laughs> different, different crowd. Okay. Is this a Target exclusive though? Uh,
2: no. So they, they do have a one month exclusivity. So pretty much uh, through all of July, they will be the only one selling it. But then in August, we'll be going into normal hobby distribution. So that's when people outside of the US will be able to get it.
0: Okay. Wouldn't it be interesting if, it's, if it happens during one of their buy two, get one free sales at Target that they always run for board games? Could you imagine that forty nine ninety nine for Gloomhaven, Jaws of the Lion, pick up a ticket to ride for forty nine ninety nine, and then bam, grab oh I don't know Europe or something you're you're set.
2: <laughs> yeah, we'll we'll see. I mean, yeah, we've been talking to them now about different promotions that that they can they can do.
0: I was actually
1: going to ask once it gets on the shelves, is Target going to do any special uh, marketing for this particular game, or they're just going to throw it on the shelf without any like look at this, look at this, you know, sort of deal. Blue light special. They used to have those that came.
2: Uh, yeah. So like during their one month exclusivity, um, it's going to be, I guess, like an end cap promotion. So it'll be, uh-huh. it'll basically be like out in the aisles.
0: Um, mm-hmm. So it'll be a lot more visible. So my rate is very cheap. I'll be happy to go into Target and stand at the end cap for you and just point this out as people walk by me. I'll make sure it can happen. We we do that. We actually do Marty and I will go into the stores and actually help people periodically. Nice. His rate is free. So there <laughs> yeah. you go. I will take
2: advantage All right, of Well, that. yeah, go do that. Sounds good.
1: Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I didn't know if they were going to do like any setup demos where people can come in check it out. But I guess they're just going to feature it prominently in yeah. the toy section or, or wherever it's, uh, it's going to be. And I actually just checked uh, like uh, our sponsor miniature market already has it for pre-order on their site. So uh, when that month is up, it should be starting to show up on online stores and in your, and your game stores too. Anywhere that you buy games, it'll be available uh, to them. Yep. Uh, and to follow up to Tony's question, if you have
2: Gloomhaven,
1: uh, why would you? Why would somebody want to pick this game up?
2: Uh, yeah. So it's a it's a standalone campaign, it's a standalone game. There are twenty five scenarios and four character classes. Um, that is all entirely new content. So so yeah, you if you've never played Gloomhaven before, or you know just a casual gamer, like it's something that can get you into it and give you you know all that all that good story and all that good content. Um, but if you're already familiar with Gloomhaven, you've already played through all of Gloomhaven, then it also just gives you that additional content. Like it's not dumbed down content, right? Like this is a normal Gloomhaven game. Like you know the first five scenarios are a bit of a tutorial. Like, if you really don't want to, you could probably like skip the first three scenarios that are kind of like mini scenarios and aren't, aren't quite the same. But then once you get into like the fourth and fifth scenario and everything beyond that, like it's, it's, you're playing normal Gloomhaven. So, so there's 22 scenarios, um, of worth of content and four new character classes that mm-hmm. you can play, uh, in, in Gloomhaven. You can play in Frosthaven. You can, um, oh. it's all cross compatible. So you can. Use those characters however you want, and they're they're really interesting characters. Like we try not to make them too complex, um, but they're still easily like they're they're very interesting characters to play with, and like complexity level like similar like the starting characters in Gloomhaven.
0: But if you skip over those first scenarios, you're missing one of the best components: stickers.
2: (laughs) Well, yeah, I mean you you have to use the stickers. That's important.
0: You know how there are certain parts of a game that are that kind of, you go, Ooh, that's cool. And we were sitting there with our friend playing and and we got to the sticker and we put him in charge of putting the sticker on. Yeah. And he, he's like, well, I got to put the sticker in B one or B two, wherever it was going. He goes, this doesn't work. Wait wait a minute. Oh, if I do, it covers it up perfectly. The artwork fits right on top of it. And then we did the next one and he's like, Oh, it fits right in there in that little square. (laughs) And he was so excited about that. And I was like, Look, give me that. I'll see that. And I, I was like, this is, this is amazing. That's, that's just neat stuff. I'm sorry. <laughs> well, thanks.
2: Yeah, I mean, I'm assuming that if you've played Gloomhaven, you, you know how to use stickers
0: already. So I, I, I glossed over that part. Wow. Wow, that was a shot.
1: <laughs> <laughs> um, so that brings up a good question for somebody who might be interested in this. And you talk about, oh, wait a minute, you're putting stickers on the board? Is the replayability? If somebody goes through and plays twenty-four scenarios, but wants to take it to a different group, can they play through it again?
2: Uh, yeah. So, I mean, the 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 board itself is not reusable. Um, so you put the stickers on the board, um, and and that's that's you know the board is there to like just keep track of like what scenarios you have available to you. That's also just like more of a thematic thing to like give you more connection to the city and, and the different scenarios you're going into and like what, what that all looks like. Um, so if you wanted to replay it, you basically just ha- have to have some other way of keeping track of what scenarios are available, which is easily done with like a piece of paper and a pencil. Um, you know, it's not going to look as as pretty, but um, but yeah, that's the only thing that's That would inhibit your replayability.
0: But I mean, I know I have, and for my Gloomhaven, I bought the sticker book, so that you know to not to give it that replayability.
2: The removable stickers. Mm -hmm. Yeah, um, we haven't done that for Jaws of the Lion yet. We we might. We're thinking about it. Um, So yeah, it's not available. Currently,
1: we didn't even mention this. The four playable characters are beautiful miniatures. Yes. I don't know who did your sculpting and I don't know how you hit that $50 price point with all, with all that. But those are nice miniatures in that game.
2: Uh, yeah, it's, that's been another thing we've been working on is, is, is stepping up the, the quality of the miniatures.
0: Um, and
2: so, yeah, really, I'm really happy with how, how those turned out. Yeah, the sculptor's... Andrew Kotel. I don't know how to pronounce his last name, and Chris Lewis were the, the sculptors for those. And yeah, they're really great.
1: Now, all the monsters, they are cardboard standees. That's fine. But your little character uh, model is a white, non painted miniature. And I, mean, I was immediately looking at it going, Ooh, I think I need to paint this bad boy. So if you're into miniature painting, you can do that. If not, that is totally okay too. But you do have a nice, high quality miniature to use. Again, the value of this at 50 bucks, I, I don't know how you pulled it off, man. I know you kind of do your own thing. You do the design and the production, and all that, but some, how you squeezed all that for $50 and can throw it on a target shelf just blows me away.
2: Uh, yeah, I don't, I don't know. <laughs> you know, we might have like slightly smaller profit margins than other, other companies. I, I don't know, but, but yeah, I mean, it's, it was a lot, but yeah, I'm really proud of the products and I, Obviously, like Target wanted to sell it for like 40 dollars, and that wasn't possible. Um, mm-hmm. So we had to 50 dollars was as high as they would go.
0: <laughs> He's a doctor of physics. He can bend time and space. He yeah. can make it happen, Marty. <laughs> That's the way it is. <laughs> he, he can bend cost analysis spreadsheets.
1: All right, so uh, Isaac, after this is successful, which I, you know, I, there hasn't been a project you touched yet that, that that wasn't, let's say Jaws of the Lion does does really well, would you revisit doing this again, It's like putting a second box into target?
2: Sure.
0: Yeah. I
2: I think so. I, I'm not sure like what that would be, whether it would be like a sequel to Jaws of the Lion or maybe like a a Frosthaven version of Jaws of the Lion. But yeah, yeah, I think um yeah, if it does well and People, people looking for more content like that. I mean, the other thing, like, is is you know, if you play Jaws of the Lion and you really like it, you know, there's already like Gloomhaven that you can go play. Like, you you don't necessarily <laughs> like point. need more content specifically, <laughs> um, specifically like that. But but yeah, maybe like another product that we could put in target might might be worth
0: considering. So a quick follow up at our strike tournament last year, you had some creature on your shoulder <laughs> and uh, you can go into what that was, but I'm seeing here if the success at target, I'm also seeing plushies.
2: Ooh. Oh yeah. Um, yeah. So that was the, the vermling mind thief, which we had uh, some plushies made of just for as, as mascots for our, for our booth. Um, so yeah, now pretty much all the conventions we go to, we have vermling mind thieves everywhere. Um, and yeah, we've, we've been looking into, you know, mass producing those, um, the ones that we have are just like handmade by, um, somebody with an Etsy store who like lives in, in California, um, and can't really be mass produced very easily. Uh, they're also very expensive, but, but yeah, we've, we've sent some, some prototypes over to some factories, you know, so like a dumbed down version of that would be cool. So like we're, we're looking into it, but, uh. Don't have any progress yet to to talk about.
0: You know, it, it sets the mood. You put it there near the game board. It's kinda like, oh, I don't know, an yeah. R D T N squishy acorn. You know? It, yeah. it helps you play.
2: I mean Roots has uh plushies for all their all their different mm-hmm. animals mm-hmm. and you know, those are really cool. Um but yeah, like, you know, when we when anybody sees it at a convention, they're like, Oh, I wanna buy that. And It's like, well, we, you can't yet, but we're working. <laughs> <on it. laughs> you, you
1: can't. You can't have no, that. No, no. I, what I think what start doing is uh, you need to start have like people cosplaying as uh, Gloomhaven characters and stuff. I mean, there, there's a whole world here that you could that you could get into and play in.
2: Yeah, well, I mean, we did that at uh, Pax Unplugged. Had the uh, mm-hmm. had the the banner spear from from Process Haven. That was really cool.
1: And you also, we didn't mention this, we've also got a uh, video game adaptation of Gloomhaven. Oh, yeah. It's currently on Steam. And if people want to go play that, uh, they can they can do that too. So there are several ways to play the game, which I think is a good way if you want to see, hey, would I even be interested in this game? You can go invest a little bit of money in trying out the video game version. And if you like it, then you know that you have a, a, a cheaper version here at Target uh, that you can check out before jumping into the full blown either Gloomhaven or Frosthaven.
2: Yeah.
0: Yeah, and, I, and Marty, I can't sing enough praise about the map book. I mean, we talked a lot about it, but uh, just throwing that open and saying, here you go, detailed, very colorful artwork. There's, there's just a lot here. There's
1: actually a supplemental scenario book that extends some of the maps so that you have two books that you can put them together to make a larger map. Yeah. So I thought that was a really good idea too. Uh, that idea too. So that way you're not limited to just a map on two pages. You have a second book that you can use to extend the play area.
2: Yeah, I found uh, just having one one book was too limiting in the design process, and like, well, I, we'll just have another book and you know slap it onto the side or whatever. Uh, but yeah, I, I'm really really happy with with the artwork um, that we did. You know, each each scenario is basically an entirely new piece of art. Um, David Demaray did, did all that for us, and it's it's yeah, it looks really great.
1: Well, Isaac, before. You get out of here. I don't know if you realize this or not, but every time we have a first time guest on our show, we invite them to play a little game with us, a game that we call Rank'em. Before we get to our game show, let's hear some exciting things from our sponsors. First up, The Broken Token. If you have a copy of Gloomhaven or you're getting Frosthaven or you're thinking about getting Jaws of the Lion, then make sure to go check out all the Gloomhaven products they have at TheBrokenToken.com. They have organizers. They have accessories that you can use like dungeon components and special tokens. They have tuck boxes that you can have for all the cards. So many options for organizing your copy of Gloomhaven. To find out more, go to TheBrokenToken.com. And if you want to go get a copy of Gloomhaven or maybe Jaws of the Lion in the upcoming months, go check out miniaturemarket.com where they'll be also carrying the game there. Make sure to sign up to their newsletter where you can hear about their daily deals and go and check their website every day to check out what new products are being released that day. To find out more, go to miniaturemarket.com. While many of us are trying to find more and more activities they can do online, portal Games has come to the rescue for us. They have just launched a Twitch channel at twitch.tv slash portalgamesus where they're going to be doing regular content of streaming of games, showing some gameplay, talking to some of the people behind the scenes at Portal. And there's going to be a special PortalCon online, which is a live streaming English language event for all fans. They're going to stream live on the Portal Games YouTube channel July 10th through July 11th. It's going to be a contest. Gameplay sessions with designers, seminars, special guests, and more. Hmm, maybe even we may show up on there again. To find out more, you can go to portalgames.pl/en for the announcement for PortalCon online. Now back to our show. What we're going to be doing, Isaac, is we're going to give you a list of three items. And then what we would like you to do is rank those in any order that you would like and then tell us why you rank them that way. Isaac, do you understand the rules of the game?
2: I think so. We'll see.
0: All right, Dr.
1: Childress, here we go.
0: Tony, why don't you give us your first question? All right, so here we go. And then, of course, uh, I think one thing, Marty has to rank them, and then I get to rank them as well. So for the first rank them, so bear with me. The first item is kind of long here. Alessandro Giuseppe Antonio Anastasio Volta, George Simon Ohm, or Gustav Robert Kirchhoff. Volta, Ohm, or Kirchhoff—those three physics guys.
2: Oh, <laughs> uh, okay. That, that's what I assumed. You were giving me like physics names or something.
0: <laughs> I got it. <laughs> <laughs> and they're electric. Did, well, didn't the man just tell us he's about electric, electric stuff? Conductivity. <laughs> <The laughs> kind <of>
2: th- <laughs> um, I'll just rank those in alphabetical order, I guess. <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> and and so you're saying you would go Kirchhoff, ohm and volta
2: all right my oh okay yeah oh my i get i guess volta okay so there that's what various units of measurements were named after i don't know i didn't i didn't do a lot of like history of physics <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh my bad 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 one my bad no, i'm sorry not, about it's that all good.
1: uh yeah so my first one's gonna be Kirchhoff because i have many fond memories doing Kirchhoff's equations and stuff in electrical engineering classes and then I will go for Volta who volts is named after and then obviously ohms is ohm which is a measurement of resistance so there's my order Kirchhoff Volta Ohm
0: and I'm going to go ohm for the ohms law one of the first laws I learned in for you know electrical engineering then Kirchhoff and just like you said for the the equations and then Volta just because it took me forever to get his name out, as we do, so I changed <laughs> it up there. It's it's, it's the laws, so that that is how I rank them. Marty, over to you.
1: Dang it! Well, you went with a the physics theme one too. I kinda did, <laughs> but my, mine's mine's a lot simpler. Where everybody will understand this one. Here we go: electron, neutron, proton.
2: All right. Uh, I guess we'll just order them by by mass. So. Well, Ooh. proton and neutron have similar masses. I think neutrons are a little more massive. I should I should really know that. I'm going to be embarrassed if I'm wrong. But we'll go electron, proton, neutron. So you went
1: by mass, so
2: electron being the lightest. Yeah,
1: yeah okay. All right. Uh, that's, that was a good one. Nobody else would rank them by that. So, so kudos to <laughs> that. Tony?
0: Oh, I, I'm just going to do it based on the atom. You know, you, you see the electron, and then you'll hit the proton, and then you'll see the neutron. That's how I see it. And that's that's how I'm doing it. And, and one's got to dance. Electron has it. Was it the electron dance? It wasn't the proton dance. Anyway, electron, yeah, proton, the neutron. Oh,
1: oh, the neutron dance neutron. is what it was. Oh. Neutron dance. And, and Isaac can dance, so he could
2: probably pull it off, I bet. I, I do not know what the neutron dance is.
1: All right, so for me, I'm going to go by, uh, I'm kind of a neutral guy. I like to keep balance, so I'm going to go neutron And then I try to be positive in life. So then I'm going to try. Then I'll go uh, proton. And then I just try to avoid all negativity. So uh, uh, electron. And it's funny. I wanted to uh, mention this to you, Isaac. Tony and I is is going to go back to uh, electrical engineering here. And we always heard this. So uh, when you were studying physics and you were studying about current, what path did you say current flows? Is it flow from positive to negative or negative to positive? Well, I mean, it's,
2: it's, uh, I guess negative to positive.
1: Yep. So in electrical engineering, I don't know if you know this or not. Uh, we always treat every, as current electrons flow negative to positive, but we treat current flowing positive to yeah, negative. It's like the
2: absence of electrons or
1: it's called the holes. Yeah. We say, which direction do the holes move? The holes move the gaps left by the electrons from positive to negative negative. And basically that just keeps all the equations nice and straight. But I just remember in electrical engineering, I don't know if you remember, Tony, it's like, look, physicists will tell you this is the direction that it goes, but for practical purposes, <laughs> you're going to say it goes positive to negative.
2: Yeah, yeah. I, I vaguely remember that. Uh, yeah, the, the two different ways of measuring it.
0: I don't vaguely remember. I remember flunking a physics test because of that (laughs) (laughs) because you because you got the negative backwards didn't you yes I did
1: all it does is change the polarity is all it does (laughs) yeah
0: oh man yeah and by the way the neutron dance was from Beverly Hills Cop from the Pointer Sisters oh that's right it was a song in a movie thank you Tony thank Mm -hmm. you there you go all right well those went off very well (laughs) typical bet your listeners
2: didn't know they were getting a physics lecture today (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> oh,
1: ta- uh, Isaac!
0: People have turned off way before this. Don't worry about that. I <laughs> actually know they hung around because they were interested in what Isaac had to say. Not what. Okay, yeah, moving on. True. So here's my next questions and and this there's some history back here. But rank the following: E. T., Rambo, Star Trek II, Wrath of Khan. Ran- which Rambo? Uh, the first Rambo. Rambo. Island first Star- first, first blood. blood. Yeah. First, first blood. blood. Okay. Sorry.
2: Uh, I'm going to rank those by the number of times I've seen them. Oh, nice. uh, so I've never seen Wrath of Khan. Uh, oh, <laughs> oh, dude. That's actually one of the best ones. Maybe Actually, maybe I have, but it was like when I was a kid. And I don't really remember it so i don't know <laughs> i mean you get you got the
1: meme with it with uh yeah
2: and i've seen first blood
0: once and i've seen mm-hmm. et a bunch of times okay so there you go from zero to a bunch of times got it marty uh i'm gonna go from oh gosh
1: i was gonna say favorite to least favorite but all those are good tony and they're all good for different reasons yeah so I'm going to go from the most bloody to the least bloody. So I'll go Rambo First Blood, uh, Wrath of Khan, then E.T. There wasn't a lot of blood in E.T., was there? Except when when uh, Elliot was healed, when he got hurt by E.T.
0: Yeah. For me, it's going to be, if they're on TV, which one will make me stop sooner? And that would be <laughs> Star Trek II, then comes First Blood, and then E.T. Now, the history behind this, Marty, is... Yes. All these movies came out in 1982. Ah. and Isaac, what's special about 1982?
2: Well, the year I was born.
0: Ta-da! Look, Isaac, we actually did a tad (laughs) of research, just a little bit. (laughs) Well, I was, I was curious. I was like, okay, I know, you know, we're old, so let's just see how this fits in. I'm like, (laughs) I'm like, oh wow, when Isaac was born. These incredible movies. I mean, there's a bunch of them that's part of this. But E.T., of course, uh, led it. But Gandhi won the Oscars.
1: Mm, there, you there you go. Who played Gandhi? Uh, ben, uh, Kingsley? ben
0: Kingsley. Ben Kingsley. Very nice.
1: All right. Uh, so for our, our final rank Isaac, I believe you are a vegetarian, correct? Uh,
2: vegan. Yeah.
1: Vegan. You're a vegan. All right. Here we go. We've never ranked vegetables before. <laughs> so here we go. Squash. Zucchini cucumber.
2: Well, like zucchini is a kind of squash, isn't it? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> he got me on technicality. Alright, we'll just how about we'll we'll say like butternut squash to get more specific. So butternut okay. squash, zucchini.
1: Is that the is that the yellow one?
2: Yeah. Well, okay. it's kind of like it's more orange. Yeah, it's like orange. Okay. Um sorry. Didn't want to ruin your rank of- no, it's over, guys. It, we're done. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. All right. There you go. I don't know. Those are all, like, actually three really good vegetables. Mm-hmm. I, I really enjoy eating cucumbers raw. Mm-hmm. And then I... But, okay. But I, I will rank them in the order, like, my my preference. Like, how, my favorite vegetables. Just, just because... Just so it'll be challenging. So, I think... Uh, see, and cucumbers can also be pickles, which are also delicious. Wow, we're really stumped him with this so one. So we're going to go, question. but like I like all of them, just as a disclaimer, but we'll go zucchini as my least of favorite of the three, and then butternut squash, and then cucumber, but it's close. Butternut squash makes a great soup.
0: All right, so well, I'm going to rank these from versatility for me, and, um... I'm going to go with the zucchini because I can chop it and fry it. I can put it in a twirler and it can become the the base for spaghetti instead of spaghetti, have zucchini, spaghetti noodles. Um, So that's the reason why it's number one. And then I will go with the um, cucumber because as Isaac said, it's pickles. I can put it on salad. I can eat it raw with a little ranch dressing. It really brightens up a vegetable tray, butternut squash, good, but I just don't have the uses for it. So zucchini, cucumber, butternut squash.
1: Well, here's the thing. Vegetables are good for you. That's why I'm going to rank them on how when they're bad for you, how I like them. That's how they taste when they're fried. (laughs) And if I take a cucumber and I pickle it, nothing's better than some fried pickles. Next is fried squash, which I love. I've never tried fried zucchini, but I would. So there's my order. Cucumber, Butternut
0: squash, zucchini. Okay. Get some garbanzo bean flour, Marty. Throw some mm-hmm. paprika in there. Get it, mm-hmm. a little some pepper. Yeah. Toss it in the zucchini. Fry it up uh, in a light olive oil. Ooh. Oh, so good.
1: Now that so. sounds good.
0: Well, for the first time uh, ever, we're trying to do a
1: small garden in our backyard and we planted some squash and cucumbers. So curious to see how that's going. Oh, a zucchini too. We actually have all three of those. So I'm curious to see how those. Curious to see how those will turn out for us. Do you do a garden there, Isaac?
2: No, no, yeah, I don't do any gardening. Okay, so what what squash did you plant? It was was it like a yellow, like summer squash?
0: Uh yes, whatever it's called. No, yeah. hook neck, hook hook neck squash.
1: I don't know. We just call it squash. <laughs> <And> I just <laughs> oh picture this. I picture I picture this yellow vegetable in my head that yeah, I it's cut like up the and same, batter It's and almost
2: like the same size as a as zucchini, but it's yellow. Maybe a little, yeah, maybe a little thinner on one end.
1: Yeah, it's got a little bit of a bulb and thinner on
0: one end. Yeah. Yeah. It's got little spines to it. So when you grab it and you're trying to pick it, it kind of hurts. I mean, it's not as bad as okra, but yes. No. No. No, Picking okra is horrible. Well, you see, you should have said if you were wanting to do fried, fried okra, fried squash, fried cucumber. Okay,
1: uh, okay. It was a horrible question. <laughs> I admit it. I I screwed up. All right. It's it's rare for me to screw up and rank them, but it happened. It's the first time ever. I apologize f- to Isaac for totally ruining the segment. No,
2: no. It
0: was it was great. <laughs> we, had a, we had a good discussion. No, no, we started on a bad note with some physics guys, <laughs> and we ended on a on a flat squash note. Okay, flat squash. <laughs>
1: Oh, Isaac, before we let you go, we do have to ask you one thing that we ask
0: every guest on
1: our show. And that is, um, so what kind of mower do you have, sir?
2: Oh, uh, I do not know. I I do own a lawn. Well, I don't own the lawnmower. So I, I rent the house that I live in. And so there is a lawnmower out in the garage that my landlord has provided that I use to mow the lawn. I could not tell you what brand of lawnmower it is. It's just, you know, standard, non-riding, gas-powered push mower.
0: Case in point, people, two very successful Kickstarters, and the man still mows his grass. That's right.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Not very often, though. uh, It gets a little embarrassing sometimes.
0: He doesn't have to mow his yard,
1: but he still does. That's a guy who keeps it humble. The most successful board gaming Kickstarter in the history of Kickstarter and the man will still go out there
0: and walk behind a mower and mowers. <laughs> but, but Isaac, I mean, when you do that, I bet you are sitting there doing scenarios because nothing is as peaceful as a man with his mower with his thoughts.
2: Yeah, yeah, I, I got some thinking done, that's for sure.
1: Oh, Isaac, it has been an absolute pleasure talking to you, man. It, I have loved seeing your success. This guy kind of came out of nowhere from a few years back, released this game on Kickstarter. It's like, Everybody wanted this game when it came out. And then you went from a really good first successful Kickstarter to relaunching it to a very successful Kickstarter. It was hard to find for a while. That first Gloomhaven, Frosthaven comes out, just blows away all records. And now for those people, it's like, it's still too much of a game for me. It's like, well, fine. Walk into your local Target, drop $49.99 and get gloomhaven jaws of the lion and experience the same game that all these other gamers are playing right now amazing man congrats so much for huge success
2: well well thank you uh yeah it's been a a pleasure talking to you guys thanks i couldn't be happier with like all the success that the gloomhaven has seen and you know I, i say it a lot like i have the best job in the world i get to just design games and and be successful at it so i'm uh very happy (laughs)
0: wow <laughs> uh, no and we we also thank you for taking the time out of your busy gen con schedule coming to the strike tournaments it's i mean contact oh, us yeah. and say can i can i come to the uh, isaac just walk in you didn't need to contact us we just went, yeah it's isaac yeah come on we are, we are <laughs> so excited when you're there
1: yeah to be honest with you isaac i i was really humbled a couple of years ago when you emailed me and said i i didn't get a ticket can i still come i thought that was really cool It's was like Heck, yes, you can still come. (laughs) So we love having you there as a guest. And before we uh, let you go, if people want to follow you on Twitter or find out more about you and everything like that, uh, how can they find
2: you? Uh, Sure. So we have a website, uh, cephalofair.com. And then, yeah, I'm also pretty active on Twitter at at cephalofair. And then we also have a, a Facebook page, cephalofair. It's all the same. Uh, you just got to figure out how to spell it, <laughs> and we're we're relaunching our our website pretty soon here with a with a web store. Um, but in the meantime, also like if you are interested in Frost you can still pre order that by going to the Frost Kickstarter. I
1: didn't know it until today when I saw your website. Tell the story of the name of the company. I didn't realize this, and this is a good story.
2: <laughs> yeah, so it was just. I, you know, it was just a username that I had, um, maybe like starting with PGG um, Cephala Fair. And I started using that name because I thought that it meant uh, headless ghost, which I thought was just like this cool, like weird word um, that like a, a friend of mine had had told me about, you know, years and years ago. Um, but I, I didn't realize that like I had misheard him. Or basically, like, I didn't spell the word right, and the word he was talking about was cephalophore, which is like P-H-O-R-E instead of F-A-R, or F-A-I-R, which is how I spelled it. So basically, this is just, like, a made-up word that kind of sounds like this word that I thought was cool, but I I misspelled it. And... Um, now it's the name of my company. <laughs> I love
1: that, man. That's a great story. I saw that. I said, Oh, we got to tell the audience about that. Cause that's,
0: that's cool. And also if you're, when you're there, be sure to check out Isaac's blog. Very good reading. Not like the English I just used. Excellent <laughs> writing. Marty said, well, you might want to be prepared for this interview. So go check out the website and things like that. And I went out there and I started reading your blog, Isaac. Very open. You know, this yeah. is how it is.
1: And I love looking at your top 10 games. I love seeing Gaia Project on there. Oh, yeah. So that's it. Uh, you and I have a lot of same taste in games. I think it's so interesting that a, a lot of these, you know, Lisboa, Feast for Odin, etc. are like really good, strong Euros. And uh But you came out with a very thematic game. Yeah. But I, I see your love of Euros in that game. But I love how you have mixed a game that is that is a little more deterministic instead of everything
0: being just set to a dice roll, but still has heavy theme. It's just just really good. And I saw Power Grid on that pile of them, and I thought that's why my rankum would be sweet. Ah, uh,
2: <laughs> yes. <laughs> oh, I was just gonna apologize for for ruining your rankum. I think that was that was all me, just not not uh, giving it the proper respect that it deserved.
1: <laughs> oh, no, no, no. It is quite all right, sir. And it's fact, in fact, when I was asking my family about that, Adam or Vanessa, my, my wife said, uh, you
0: do realize both of those are squash. I went, oh, <laughs> well, they'll know. <laughs> <laughs> hey, he he should go back and listen to our Klaus Ta- Tauber uh, Rank them. Isaac Trusses. The bar is, yeah, okay. <laughs> but thank you so much for joining us. Uh, Marty, any final thoughts? Okay, he shook me off. So yeah, we're out (laughs) of here. (laughs) So once again, thanks for listening to Rolling Dice and Taking Names. And be sure to check out all of the other great content that is going on currently for Isaac's new game, Gloomhaven, Jaw of the Lion. Jaws. Did I I miss the S? Did I drop that in?
2: There's an S in there, yeah. Is it is it an S? Yeah, yeah, there's an S. Draws, <laughs> draws there's the an last.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so So talk, are you gonna take us out? That, was that not it? Okay. <laughs>
1: <laughs> you mean the one catchphrase we've said for two hundred episodes?
2: Well now I mean now's the time to change. I mean you've got those two hundred episodes behind you. You can start something new right now.
1: Oh that's true. Just some awkward ending. What what can we say, Isaac? <laughs> what could be our new closing catchphrase? Putting him on the spot.
2: Oh, uh, yeah, I don't know. Stay grumpy.
1: Stay grumpy. Oh, Tony, that's not bad. <laughs>
0: mm. All right. So keep staying grumpy. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Thanks for listening, everybody. Jaws of the Lion is now available at your local Target, so go look for it now. And make sure to come back to our next episode, where we have another interview with a special designer, Justin Gary, the designer of Ascension and the brand new minis game, Ascension Tactics. Plus, Tony and I actually got to play some games together. In three, two, one. Hello, and welcome to another episode of Rolling Dice Wow. I forgot the name of the show. <laughs> <laughs> I'm nervous here, Tony. I'm nervous. Isaac's with it, is with me. I'm nervous. Okay, here we go.